0: Chapter Seventeen of Miss Inglis by Gertrude Hall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Chapter Seventeen. On the third evening since the inexplicable turn taken by his love affair, Red Overcome did not expose himself to further refusals. He stayed away from dinner and went to the Athletic Club. There he had purposed to remain till late. "'but before the evening was old, "'changed his mind and started for home "'to see how Grace was taking it. "'He did not pretend to understand that girl. "'Who could tell, but her cure might be "'as sudden as her attack? "'A peacemaking before bedtime. "'It were well to be on the spot. "'Hearing sociable sounds as he entered the house, "'he listened for Grace's voice, "'or, through the voices and laughing, "'the notes of her piano. "'He could hear neither, his spirits dropped flat with the fear that he was already too late, that she had gone upstairs. He damned the whole business. As soon, however, as he stepped from his room on to the gallery, every one of whose pearls the size of moons was widely aglow, he saw her, and was convinced in the same instant that she had seen him. A dozen young people sat distributed in groups over the stairs. A cousin or two from outside were among them, beside Harvey, Gertie, her fiance, and a friend of Harvey's, whom Red knew only by sight. The latter, seated near Grace, was making himself agreeable. A string of good evenings and hallos greeted Red as he came to stand above the assemblage and looked down over them with his the smile of a fine fellow. Grace rose at once, as if she had only been waiting for him in the manner of one who expects to be followed she drew a few steps apart may i speak with you a moment she asked when he had joined her strolling slowly they took themselves with the recognized right of lovers outside the line of curious and profane glances glances curious and profane nearly as many as there were eyes played over their backs as they went who at the sounds hailing red's arrival had come to the door of the drawing-room followed the pair with a look of relief and hope with strict good taste red had never when grace entered the parlour that admitted of transfiguration into his sleeping apartment closed the door he left it open as usual they could not be watched or overheard anyhow unless by someone coming frankly to the door at the weary finality of the gesture with which his sweetheart disposed of his affectionate attempt, Red had a laugh. Instead of appropriate dejection, a look of wicked fun came into his eyes. Without insisting on the toll of a kiss, he ceremoniously placed a chair for her and made it more comfortable by a cushion. "'Do you mind if I smoke?' he asked. Grace took the edge of her seat. He leaned back at ease in his, and gave her all the time she wanted to come to the point. "'I hate to tell you what I have to tell,' she approached it. "'What's coming now? But go ahead. I'm braced for anything.' "'You are mistaken, Claire. It has nothing to do with—' "'I want you first to promise not to tell anybody or make a fuss about it.' "'What's happened?' "'You won't make a fuss about it, will you?' "'I care so particularly. "'My father impressed it upon me as a child "'so that I never can forget the fact that the moment something is missing "'suspicion falls on the servants, poor things. "'It's such an unfair position to be in, "'where, no matter how honest you are, "'the moment anything is missing, "'you feel yourself regarded as a possible thief. "'You've missed something. "'I had nearly a hundred dollars in an envelope, Claire, in the top drawer of my bureau. I am certain it was there yesterday, because I counted it over. Today I look for it, and it is gone. You've looked carefully, I suppose? Everywhere, absolutely, over and over. Would I speak of it without being sure? Hm. queer. Very well, I won't make a fuss, but I'll do what I can to find out who's got it. It's sure to have been someone from outside, someone who slipped in, perhaps, while we were all at dinner. Leave it to me. Claire smoked reflectively. Grace watched him, in a questioning, expectant silence. The trouble is, she got out with difficulty, that it leaves me almost literally without money. She was looking downward, as she said this, in embarrassment when she stole a glance at him to see why he did not speak she found him grinning the deviltry in his eyes required her to view and take account of it providence he began in the characteristic manner of his lighter vein providence oh lilies and languors has come to my aid at the challenge grace leapt into the saddle to joust with the same sort of lance a belligerent gleam was in her eye providence oh roses and raptures has let you in for ninety-seven dollars which you will please pay to me i shall be astonished if i am kept waiting astonishment is good for you oh airy fairy he settled back in his chair looking supremely debonair listen i will return the ninety-seven dollars stolen from you in my house of course but i must be allowed to pay as i can by installments say five dollars a week which will keep you in postage stamps that will bring us to let me see long past the second week in september after which what's mine is yours and all your little bills oh summit of felicity ideal attained how's that grace come in to me not so fast Am I to understand that I might have to ask twice, twice, O oh, imitation of a prince, for the paltry sum of ninety-seven dollars? O ivory statuette,
1: coolness
0: personified, some ways of asking are more persuasive than others. And some discoveries are more painful, O oh, plaster copy of Apollo. Say no more. That last knock does it. Apollo does it. Red slapped his pockets, pair by pair, hips, coat, vest, prior to turning them inside out onto the table. He counted the green and yellow paper. The loose silver, the gold, lucky piece, tossed down with the rest. "'I'm sorry. It's only about half. Fifty-two dollars and eighty-five cents. I'll have the rest for you tomorrow. There you are, little screw. Little touch-me-not.' With an effect of shame in spite of everything, Grace's hand moved toward the money. As it hung like a bird about to alight, Red's hand closed upon it. Just a moment. Just one thing. Promise, Grace, that you won't use this money against me. Against you? What do you mean? An equal seriousness was suddenly in both their faces. You know what I mean. Promise me. Promise that you won't use it to go away from me. Grace's hand turned limp within his, and, like a hawk, with its capture, the two dropped together. Promise! Claire, she said, after a little while, while given to anxious meditation, have you ever read a play called The Lady of the Sea by Ibsen? Ibsen? No, my pretty, not I. I wish you had, because it is the illustration of a thing that I shall have trouble to make you see there is a woman in it who wants to leave the man she's married to it is a morbid obsession in her case a longing to return to the sea you feel that nothing could have kept her from it except the one thing her husband finds to do which is to release her when she is free to go the obsession ceases and she finds it possible to stay you had much better let me go to lydia if i want to had i if i do will you promise to come back you see you won't promise then how can you expect me to let you go you don't seem to understand little one that it's a thing i care about grace pulled at her hand he relinquished it with both hands systematically but as if thinking the while of other things he rounded the money into a neater pile and turned a brass bowl over it Something in his action, in the hatefulness of feeling her dependence upon him for disgusting money, stung her to sharp anger. Upon the impulse to hurt back, she slipped his rings from her finger and laid them on the table. You can put these with it. She had given him the desired shock, unmistakably. What do you mean by that? But she was already frightened by what she had done. "'Because, because, if the money in my bureau is not safe, "'these rings may not be safe either on my hand,' she explained lamely. "'They have grown loose. "'A thief of enterprise could get them without difficulty.' "'The eyes trying to read her were those unreadable eyes "'that made him seem like a stranger. "'She could not bear to meet them, but looked off among the swords,' and muskets on the wall dim in the greenish dusk outside the ring of lamplight perhaps you are right he said in conclusion to his reflections and i had better take care of them for you he placed the rings in his vest pocket her unsuccessful scenes seemed to her ended in humiliation she was rising to go when he asked sharply that was not a symbol was it grace handing me back my engagement ring, by which you wish me to understand that you are throwing me over? His voice left no doubt of the origin or sincerity of his alarm. Corresponding depths were stirred in her by its vibration. She was brought face to face, like him, with a possibility as dreadful as an amputation. Unimaginable! Oh! unimaginable, Claire, that it should come to that, she moaned, and covered her eyes pathetically to shut out the vision of ultimate calamity. There spoke my own. He was all comfort and fondness at once, but in the next moment, through the rebound of his spirits, he overran again with his peculiar fun. But you are the most unexpected little prize package, you know. Nothing I've learned from others helps me to guess right with you. There you sit, gentle and sweet incapable any one would suppose of hurting a fly what makes you want to stick spikes in your gorilla what makes you vivisect your curly dog you needn't talk to me about that sea lady and her mysterious mentality you've got something definite against me at the back of your mind which you haven't the fairness to come out with how can i let you go grace his voice was plaintive, and take my chances of the thing working out, right, hundreds of miles away. I'm not that kind of man. You ought to know it. Do you know what all this looks like, little girl? What the only explanation is that would really seem to explain? That you've grown sick of me so soon, but to think that would seem to me equal to the coarsest insult I could frame. I won't let myself. I stick instead to thinking of the beautiful past so recent too when you used to talk about your great task of making me happy and i laugh a hollow laugh grace i've got to laugh i've got to treat this thing like a spell of weather that will pass for if i don't i shall be tragic and if i'm tragic if i begin to tell you how you've made me feel i shall be ridiculous i laugh so as not to do worse and the jolt came when I thought I was doing so well. I'd cut out swear words, went around like a blankety school edition. Did you ever hear me sigh one small H? Did you ever get a whiff on my breath of anything you shouldn't? I chewed perfumes I bought of a French barber, if there was any hope of a kiss. Patent leather shoes, manicure, five-dollar ties, utter respectfulness. Never a squeeze too tight, a kiss too long. Then, with regard to matters, mental and moral, in our occasional arguments, didn't I always knuckle under before superior wisdom? When you even attacked my way of doing business, didn't I yield? Not a cheap luxury, either, your little conscience. Stop, Claire. I can't let you believe that I believe you really did what you said you would do that time about the Chicago building. You deceived me. I know it perfectly. Clare's eyes widened, then narrowed, and he gave, the prolonged exclamation of one finding the key to a riddle. Oh, now I see. That would account for much. But what, my dearest, makes you think I deceived you? I heard Mr. Walter and your brother Black talking the thing over while they smoked their cigars in the doorway. They mentioned Mr. Quixey's part in the transaction that he had just brought to a satisfactory termination. They mentioned the bargain price you paid. I see. And you made up your mind, without further investigation, that I was a liar. Have you any idea, my gentle love, how such a line of conduct as you laid out for me would strike three seasoned businessmen who do not happen to be in love with you we are partners you remember black longsoe sin and i just try by the help of an excellent imagination to figure it out that loss of twelve thousand five hundred dollars was and had to be my personal loss and strictly private let me add I shouldn't care to be laughed at as overcome brothers the rest of them would laugh at me if they came to hear of my tomfoolishness Quixie is in my confidence no one else so you see where your general bad opinion of me leads you claire are you willing to give me your word of honor that what you have just told me is true will you believe me upon my word i shall be forced to very well, then. By an instinctive gesture she stopped him. No, Claire, don't swear it. The words were no sooner past her lips than she cringed with terror at the enormity of the implication. But Claire had fixed his heart upon a particular culmination of the evening. After three days of fasting, so powerful was the ache of hunger to catch her in his arms that, instead of uncorking vials of wrath, he laughed a big laugh that was a nasty one oh fond dove now you're going to say you're sorry at his lifting himself out of his deep chair she alertly got behind hers where she stood watching him like a bird or a deer you're going to say you're sorry he repeated and advanced with deliberation she bent out of reach with a half-suppressed scream of nervous laughter such as the game of fox and geese invariably elicits from young girls. After whirling successfully around the chair, she made for the door, Claire after her. At the sound of their chase, all heads turned to watch this merry specimen of lovers fooling. Go it, Grace, shouted Alec from the pit. Junior shouted after him. Go it, Grace. She had nearly the entire circle of the gallery to run before she could reach the hall door the hallway the staircase and if victorious the safety of her room seeing the space before the dining room narrowed by the loungers on the stairs she got out through her panting laughter in an acute cry fair play rebecca after a second wasted in lightning debate as to which of the two it would be sweeter to spite grace or her uncle sprang to sweep the space clear race flew by but claire two yards behind came to momentary grief over a silk cushion deftly pushed before his foot just enough to give the race to the fleet-foot nymph End of chapter seventeen